Welcome to Ride Underground. You found us. This is a place where we hear from instigators who are changing the world with disruptive and emerging technologies. I'm your host, Tom Snyder, Executive Director of Riot, and welcome to the program. We're excited to be back for season two, and today in our virtual studio, we have Don Shin, founder and CEO of Crosscom. So Don, welcome to the program. Thanks. It's really great to be here, and hey, everybody. Hello from the virtual space. (laughs) Super. So first off, let's uh, let you tell a little bit about Crosscom, what your organization does, why you decided to found it. And then I'm going to ask you, if you would, because we're in the virtual space right now, not everyone's here in the studio to see you, and it's nice to have our listeners have a picture of who they're talking to, who might play you in the future documentary of Crosscom and its founding and its history? Okay, well, first I'll start off with the easy question. What is Crosscom? Crosscom is an app innovation studio based out of downtown Durham that I founded and I've been running for the past 20 plus years. App Innovation Studio is the best way that I would like to describe it today because really we started off building websites and web apps back when Netscape was version one and very quickly moved on to more sophisticated web applications and then iPhone applications when Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone, moving on to Android applications, wearable applications, augmented and virtual reality apps. And now we love just pushing the envelope and making apps helpful for every purpose related to work and life. So that's Crosscom. And I think that if you were to kind of nail me on an area of focus, really we try to build apps and engage in projects that require a high level of quality, that require um, some kind of innovation, whether it be technical innovation or doing something in a particular vertical that's been never been done before. And thirdly, projects and apps that contribute some way, somehow to the social good. So uh, those are the kind of projects that Crosscom has been gravitating towards, which end up and oftentimes being uh, healthcare related. So that's Crosscom in a nutshell. Now to the more interesting and more difficult question about which actor would, would play me, gosh, you know, so to describe a picture, really, I'm just a middle-aged, nerdy Asian dude. But back when I was visiting Korea in my 20s, you know, what's really funny is that I'm South Korean by ethnic heritage. And going to Korea, it was a really interesting experience having grown up in America because it was the first time in a long, long time that I just saw an entire society of people who had the same hair color as me. But my dress was incredibly different. I dressed like a Westerner. I had jeans and a leather jacket and a lot of brown and leather. And I think that just made me look very, very different, even though I was the same ethnicity as this country full of Koreans who all wore white and black. And so they said I looked like Tom Cruise. I just thought to myself, I've never been compared to Tom Cruise in my life. So this must be like the high point of my, you know, of my existence is to be compared to Tom Cruise in my 20s. I don't think I look anything like Tom Cruise, so perhaps that's not appropriate mental picture, but that was a lot of fun. You know, we'll roll with that anyway. Tom Cruise is uh, well known for doing all his own stunts, and I think that founding a company and and making all those decisions, probably that's pretty apt that uh, you've had to do a few stunts along the way. That works for me, and we're both kind of sort of short, but whatever. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Well, glad to have you uh, joining us today. You talked about a lot of evolution that's happened over the last 20 years, you know, starting with 
with Netscape. I uh, have a great Netscape story I can tell you offline uh, sometime, but uh, going through that, through really the World Wide Web as it became the internet and then into the smartphone and on and on, you know, how do you stay on top of things? You know, as technologies emerge and new things come about, you know, how do you engage and uh, you pick? Yeah, I think for me, it's been easier than I think a lot of other people because I get bored easily. And so, you know, I think one of the things I'm most thankful for with my 20 plus year career is that I've been able to see just so much and the transition of so much. Like I grew up in the days where you had to pay for long distance phone calls. And now here I am wirelessly transmitting thoughts and ideas, even in my sleep. You know? and, and so how have I kept up? I think it's been a perennially optimistic belief that this technology can help us. And with the belief that technology can help us, the desire to try new things and new inventions and see how it can make life easier or make work faster or make us be able to feel in touch longer or better or across geographic distances, I think it's that hunger to see technology work better for us, maybe. I easily get frustrated when technology doesn't work. And so I'm constantly looking for for new inventions and, and new toys to play around with. Cool. It's interesting. I, I was thinking... When you described the long distance phone call, I was the same way. I also remember when I couldn't speak to anyone on the phone further away than that coily cord would stretch. But these technologies, they create opportunity, but they often have limitations as well. And some of those are around the business model, such as we're going to charge you a whole lot of money just because you're calling somebody far away versus somebody near you. Uh, And some of them are, are true technical limitations. Tell me, Don, how you assess new technologies or think about new technologies and how you engage. When is technology mature enough to work with it? Give me your perspective on that. question that I ask myself a lot in trying to look into the future and what it looks like, what it could look like, is if you take a variable and you take it to infinity or you take it to zero. And an example of infinity might be, what would the world look like if we all had infinitely fast internet connections? Or what would the world look like if we could all communicate with each other with zero latency? Or what if you took the cost of something that was really expensive today and brought it down to zero? What would the world look like? And then you could at least start to see some possibilities emerge and look for those tipping points when a variable either increases or decreases and look for business opportunities to take advantage of those trends. I think that some technologies for which tipping points have not yet occurred but will occur in the near future are augmented in virtual reality, for instance. Right now, uh, virtual reality is big, it's clunky, it's generally expensive, but what would happen if it was uh, a commodity device uh, and an experience that was not so big, not so clunky, could potentially be miniaturized to the size of a pair of glasses? What would your experience look like? And I think that's kind of what makes me a long-term believer in the potential for augmented and virtual reality to change the way we interact with our technology and the worlds around us. The good news, I think, is that there are some technologies that are making these big steps. For example, 5G is taking what at one time we thought was as much broadband as we ever needed in 4G LTE to another level of magnitude in terms of data speeds. Uh, That will feel like we've reached infinite uh, bandwidth. Now, once we've saturated that market, there will be, I don't know if we'll call it 6G or not, but there will be additional evolutions. I think another area in the IoT space that's pretty interesting is is around energy harvesting and making energy neutral systems that can run persistently, for example, wearables for, for healthcare and so on. So it's a really interesting perspective that you bring in thinking about the what ifs and, and the possibles. Crosscom 
obviously needs to have economically viable projects and things. How do you help customers to, to decide, am I an early adopter? Do I wait for mainstream? Am I a laggard? I guess you probably don't have many laggards, but help us walk through how you help those customer decisions. Yeah, I think that it starts with a discussion around tipping points. And when a technology starts to become accessible enough to be utilized by our clients or business or organization, and tipping points can often look like economic tipping points. Like if I adopt this technology, is it going to be cost affordable enough for me to make an ROI? Uh, sometimes it could look like practical tipping points, but it's understanding where the trends of things are going. Is the cost going down on a gradual level? Is the miniaturization happening at a particular pace? Uh, and determining, okay, at a certain point, at a certain cost point, at a certain size, at a certain speed, at a certain latency, this is where we can start using this technology in an affordable way. So let's go back to virtual reality and augmented reality. And I think in many ways, virtual reality has already hit some interesting tipping points with the Oculus Quest headset. That headset only costs $399, which is about the price of a game console. So everyone could now potentially own a virtual reality headset, which was not always the case. And the Oculus Quest also operates without a dedicated PC. So it's just this standalone super convenient, super turnkey virtual reality device compared to the VR headsets of yesteryear. And that opens up a lot of interesting business opportunities. For instance, lately, we started to send Oculus Quests loaded with our virtual reality collaboration experience to prospective clients so that they can meet with us in virtual reality during this coronavirus recession. That is something that wouldn't have been possible even two years ago when Virtual reality headsets required a PC and a tremendous amount of setup, but it hit this tipping point where now you've got the price point that's right. You've got the turnkey nature of it without requiring any kind of external hardware, which is right. And so, again, that's a kind of a transformative development that's now allowed a new use case for this headset, which is meeting with prospective clients in virtual reality since I can't meet with them face-to-face. -face. What other kinds of use cases are going to emerge when virtual reality headsets become closer to free? or become smaller in nature or battery life extends. Those are the things that we can start brainstorming today. May I offer one more trend? So getting back to this exercise of taking a variable to infinity or taking it to zero, what would happen if um, the kind of intelligence that's in a Raspberry Pi or a Wi-Fi receiver, the price of that goes to zero? Well, then it's going to make the number of smart devices go to infinity. It means everything from the toaster to the toilet and everything is starts gonna have a Wi-Fi receiver or um, you know, kind of a miniature processor if the cost of those go to zero. So that's another opportunity that I think the Riot audience is right for taking advantage of is thinking through in a world of infinitely available data from an infinite number of smart devices because the cost of the hardware is zero what kind of opportunities are we going to have even for just bespoke healthcare apps or bespoke wellness apps, or it's helpful to even know when your laundry is done, you know? It's a great point. We often talk about this with the startup companies in our accelerator, that if you think about an easy analog is like television, you know, we had high definition television and it was a pretty nice picture. And then we had 4K television and it's even nicer picture. And you know the resolution keeps going up. Because of advances in energy harvesting to create self-persistent systems and in nanotechnology that allows sensors to be made so small you can deploy them anywhere, we're getting to this point where we can collect 
the analog world that we live in in a digital way everywhere in place in real time and that that level of resolution and then the fact that you can do analytics and things on top of that really does create massive opportunity and i i think you're 100 percent right that the digitizing of data in real time will approach infinity and if the cost of internet and storage goes to zero then Really, the other thing that goes to infinity is the need for analytics of this data and the need for insights goes to infinity as well. So uh, it's going to be a great opportunities for everyone. Absolutely. That's really cool. Very, very awesome. What other areas? You mentioned medical before. You think about you know, origins of helping to build websites and simple apps to now the power of the smartphone. There's a tremendous amount of momentum towards telehealth, not just distance work, but distance healthcare. What are you excited about right now in the medical space? And can you share any projects that you're working on? Yeah, the exciting thing about healthcare is that there is still a tremendous amount of room for technology innovation to transform the way healthcare is practiced or researched or learned. So those three areas, clinical treatments, research, healthcare research, and um, healthcare education, are three areas that are really, really ripe for transformation. Getting back to this idea of collaborative healthcare and telemedicine. So we recently built an augmented reality prototype running on a Microsoft HoloLens augmented reality headset that provides exposure therapy to a patient through that Microsoft HoloLens through holograms. So to make the example more concrete, if I as a patient had arachnophobia, a visceral fear of spiders, when I'm wearing this augmented reality headset, the therapist can start to project a hologram of a spider on the desk in front of me at a safe distance, then start to remotely control that spider from a PC or a Mac nearby to start moving that spider and crawling it across the table closer to me, all the while the HoloLens is logging the virtual distance between me and this holographic spider so that I could uh, as the patient start to challenge myself in a safe and controlled manner to get closer to the spider, to look, to start approaching the spider and, and moving closer. And if I'm too afraid, I can say a word or two and have all the holograms disappear so that, again, the therapy is, is provided in a controlled manner. Now, the cool thing about this therapy occurring without any kind of physical props, like a real world spider is first, it's incredibly safe. I don't have to worry about actual spiders jumping on me in an uncontrolled fashion or a spider biting me. And secondly, it's cost effective if we can get the cost of the hardware down because now you can start to have a library of phobias all treatable with one device. So what if I had a fear of dogs? What if I had a fear of open spaces? A virtual or augmented reality headset could potentially simulate um, situations and scenarios for a range of phobias instead of having to have all of those props or those triggers within the uh, therapist's office. Finally, because it's offered completely digitally, it's also right for telemedicine and uh, treatment of patients either across geographic distances because we can't meet or across distances where there is no local therapist available because healthcare options are few and far in between or perhaps maybe aren't as diverse in uh, more rural areas. So those are transformative ways uh, where technology can actually just change the way healthcare is administered. That's fantastic. Not, not to mention, it also feels like in many of those scenarios, you'd be practicing for those Tom Cruise stunts uh, with the, the heights or the open spaces or whatever the case might be. So uh, I love it. Yeah, re really, really interesting. 
you talk a lot about technology, but what comes through is at the end of the day, you're really talking about applications. And as a, an apps company, as you said at the start, it really is about problem solving and, and outcomes and then applying technology in the right way. Absolutely. And that is first and foremost, my job um, as the, the leader of Crosscom is not to just explore innovative technologies for technology's sake. That's perhaps maybe the way I was in my teens. It's really now to say, this world is an imperfect world. It's a world that's suffering. It's a world that is challenged. And how can technology actually improve the human condition? And to improve the human condition, you start by isolating problems that can be solved. And thankfully, through creative ingenuity of mankind, we've been able to solve more and more problems with these innovations. So it's exciting time to be alive. It really is. I think it's interesting. You described the telehealth use case, I'll call it. But really, augmented virtual reality are just one of many technologies that really can help bring us societally closer together, which is interesting because you know, social media algorithms and other things are arguably also kind of separating us, right? Uh, where do you fall on that continuum of, you know, is technology bringing us closer together or pushing us further apart? You know, it's ironic that I run an app innovation studio because for the past two to three years, I kind of shooed social media because I felt like the more I use social media, the less I like people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, now I'm, I'm starting to ease myself back into social media, but with emotional and relational boundaries to figure out how it could be used in a more constructive manner. But I think that um, one of the challenges with two-dimensional communication across a traditional computer is that our attentions can be divided. You know, like right now, you and I are video chatting, and I think we're making a connection. I believe we're making a connection, but you could also be looking at a web browser. <laughs> you, know, you could also, there's all sorts of different aspects of our collaboration right now that don't have real world analogs, because in the real world, if I was having a coffee with you, I could very easily tell if you're engaged or not. And I think that technology will hopefully bridge that gap as well. We are working on a virtual reality healthcare simulation with a client, Carmanos Cancer Institute up in Michigan, and we meet with them in VR. So I sent the client stakeholder an Oculus headset, and every week we send her a new build and we enter in to review the content together. And let me tell you, we all know objectively that we're not meeting, but it feels like we're actually meeting in the same space. It feels like we just spent time together. It feels like we're actually like engaged and connected with each other in a way that even video conferencing doesn't replicate. And so, you know, that's an area that I'm really, really excited to see progress because I think that the connections that we have, they're going to be seen as almost like stopgap measures. Like the video conferencing we have today is going to be seen perhaps maybe as a stopgap measure. And we're going to have more productive, more engaging, and more experiential work meetings, even across distances in the near-term future, I believe. That's great. Help us with a little bit of future casting. Where do you see us in, in five years, 10 years? What, which of these technologies do you think will get to infinite performance or to zero latency? So I've talked a lot about virtual reality, but Actually, I'm actually much, much more excited about the potential of augmented reality because the ability to access all the resources that computing and our devices offer us without having to break attention from our everyday surroundings is the promise that augmented reality offers. So I'm really, really excited about augmented reality smart glasses becoming affordable enough that everyone has them 
and they're always on and they're always digesting our environments and offering us assistance. AR traditionally stands for augmented reality, but another way to think of it is assisted reality, where we're currently rooted on our everyday realities, but with the assistance of computers running constantly in the background, offering us hints as to who someone is when you see them, maybe even offering information about their professional background, or perhaps maybe even telling you which way to go down the streets if you're walking along the streets of New York City without having to break attention away from looking for traffic, or even just being able to summon all the facts of Wikipedia at my disposal because the augmented reality assistant knows that I need them at a certain time or in a certain situation. There's going to be a lot more opportunity for artificial intelligence. And I'm not talking about machine learning artificial intelligence, but really just classical artificial intelligence you know, using judgment to be able to help us in certain scenarios. I think that's going to start to explode, I think, in the next two to three years. Yeah, that's really exciting. We talk at Riot a lot about how the best technologies tend to fade into the background. You could argue that, you know, if reality is the thing our senses detect, that things as simple as contact lenses or hearing aids are augmented reality devices improving the clarity of the reality around us. Now we just have the opportunity to take those same devices and connect them to the internet and bring in digital information uh, on top of just enhancing our ability to, to feel or to see or to listen or to taste or whatever the case might be. So really, really interesting. Yes, I cannot agree more with that. I've written in the past that I believe um, technology is at its most beautiful when it's unnoticed and just helping out without bringing attention to itself. A book that was uh, kind of challenged my thoughts on that like a decade ago, it was called The Invisible Computer. And just from the title, you get where it's going is that as technology becomes more useful and more powerful, it actually kind of lends itself as the invisible assistant in the background. And hopefully we become more human. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know with all the good work happening at Crosscom, you're at least helping to nudge us in the right direction. So. Uh, thank you very much for, for being on the program. We've enjoyed having you. How can folks uh, find you if they hope to become a client, maybe get one of those Oculus headsets? The uh, easiest way to get in touch with Crosscom would be through our website, uh, C-R-O-S-S-C-O-M-M.com, Crosscom with two M's.com. And there they could see a lot of the things that we're not only have done in the past, but if you sign up for our newsletter, you also get interesting updates on some of the experiments and interesting ways we're trying to push the envelope uh, going forward as well. And of course, I'm trying to get back into social media again, but mostly through Twitter and LinkedIn and just keeping things professional. Although I think that during times when the world is burning around us, I may have, you know, a comment about how to join forces and make the world a better place as well. Cool. Well, thank you uh, again for being here. I hope folks reach out. We're incredibly proud to have you as part of the overall Riot ecosystem, and we look forward to continuing to do great things together. So thanks again. Hi, y'all. Caroline Griffin here, dropping in to say thanks for listening. And if you have any questions for Riot, send me a note. You may reach me at caroline at riot.org. This Riot Underground podcast is created and produced by Riot Studios with music by Scott Jackson. Riot is a nonprofit focused on economic development through the Internet of Things or IoT. We produce events, conferences, and educational courses around the world. And we run an early stage startup accelerator out of Riot Labs in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
Our nonprofit also operates a wireless test and certification facility under the Wireless Research Center brand. Learn how to engage by visiting us at riot.org.